This is episode 43 of the Break 80 podcast. Dowd's here, joined by the short-sighted one himself, Mike. Top 100, Tim, joins us live from Hunter's lab in the Go Low Golf facility. We've officially signed up for a Quest to Qualify site this morning in hopes of pulling off a Kurt Kitayama-like um, you know, quest against the big boys in amateur golf. So how do you guys feel about Highland National and the fact that we're really doing this. Uh, I mean, I, I was a little nervous at the start there, all the different logins necessary. And <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you, Minnesota Golf Association, for letting us play for free. We were yeah. logged in so early. Our, our registration right. was so early that they forgot to include the link to pay. So thank you. Um, I, I'd like to know that I'm not wasting money on my attempts. I'm going to assume at at some point in time, they correct that because I saw some people had paid today. And in the past, you know, I've tried a couple times, you paid that time, you know, right away online. So I'm assuming since we said we were registered that it's going to, they're going to send an email at some point in time to pay. I don't know. It, it escalated quickly. I went from paying $50 to update my USGA handicap to $45 to register to then it'll be $90, I think, to play once 90. we finally pay. Yeah, they upped it ten bucks. Um, well, the, the the thing is, it's like a it's like a double edged sword because I I think I'm one for three. The funny thing is, I qualified the first year I ever tried, I made it, and then I've not made it the last couple. I think I shot like I don't even know. I didn't even try last year, like seventy four or something. I didn't make it, but and you, when you don't make it, you walk away like, damn it, I just paid. Like if if you don't make it, high, like damn it, I just paid ninety dollars to play Highland. I could play that on my PCC for like whatever 25 bucks or something but if you do get in it becomes a steal because then you get you only pay another like 85 dollars and you're playing two two guaranteed rounds at minneapolis golf club for a total of what 175 or something like that i think it is roughly i can't remember what the exact what the exact number is for the championship but then it becomes a hell of a deal if you can if you pull that one off well, well i, I mean, have to outside say outside never... of our i was gonna say outside of our majors it's the only competitive golf I see, and and the Ryder Cup, the Rally at the Ridge. Mm-hmm. True. Well, yeah, well, Jeff I will never say, played, never played I, will say, I was just going to say I've never played the course, but I, I do know that the only thing I know about is got the the bunker that has the outline of Snoopy. So I don't know if that's if that's all I need to know about the course. Just show up, and uh, I just know there's Snoopy somewhere out there, and then that's about all I know. I've played a round uh, and a half there. Don't rip a persimmon wood off of that hole into the street and nail a car <laughs> in the side. I played a round and a half there because last year we always go there early in the year. And last year we got nine holes in it and it was snowing so bad. My bag was like full of snow. So we hung it up, went to the nook instead. But uh, I got a, I got a veteran play for you, Jeff, and we'll go play some practice rounds. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, there's a par three. You don't even go for the green. You You aim for the water tower. Because you can bank it off the water towers. There's a gigantic, like St. Paul City, St. Paul water tower, and you can bank it back down onto the green. I think you should try that. What's the local rule on it? It's in play? No, it's out of bounds. There's white stakes. It's all out of bounds. It, but it'll bounce so back. So if I miss it, I'm screwed. It'll, it, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. But it'll bounce back. Yeah. Every Everyone's hit the water tower their first round. Mm-hmm. It's it's You almost have to. It's like waiting on the ninth green. Yeah, so if you don't, if you go in blind and it's your first round qualifying, you have to just try to try it. I'm so actually. I told, I told well Tim me. this when he was uh, when he was beating me at sim golf. We could talk about our sim golf stuff in a second, though. Uh, I'm I'm really jacked up, and I and I'm sure we won't get put in the same group because you know the MGA will do it all random. But it'd be fun if we did. I'm really jacked up to see Tim have to put everything out. You know, like a, it's like a taste of his own medicine. It's like playing him in a match where he makes you put everything from like two feet or in. He's going to be putting out everything. Just the nerves are going to be there. The grip's just going to be tight on that spider. The cigs are going to be smoked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We thought he, we thought he went through a lot of cigs in the first five holes at Whistling Straits. He doesn't see this champion. Just never seen anything that they're about to see. It's going to be just my mouth, just six cigs across, all at one time for the first four footer. Well, it's been a week since our last pod. Let's talk a little bit about what you guys have been doing to prepare and get ready for, you know, obviously the quest to qualify, but just golf in general. We know the weather sucks, going to get more snow. Big bummer, but we have simulator golf, and I know you guys have been hitting up the simulator golf quite regularly this winter. 
I'll get to my first round, full round, I should say, of similar to golf. But why don't you guys fill us in on some things that you've been doing? Go ahead, Tim. <laughs> well, I mean, it was leg day today. Monday's leg day, so you can't miss it. Been working out pretty religiously here in an attempt to uh, to try to catch up to our, our longer hitters on the podcast uh, and to fit into some primo joggers a little bit better. Really trying to look look good for my swing <laughs> videos that go up on Instagram. Because if you don't play good, at least you can look good. Mm-hmm. Uh, working with, with Hunter at Golo Golf, the Minnesota Golf Lab, he's been so booked uh, with, with some of the popularity he's had that I haven't got fit into my stealth two yet. But I know once I do, oh, I'm going to be I'm going to be carrying it because Mike is very concerned about my carry yardage. Going to be carrying at least 270. Yes. So for all you listeners out there, the total yardage does not matter. It doesn't matter because that varies. That varies from course to course elevations, you know, going downhill. You, when you're getting fit for a drive, the only thing you care about, and even when you're playing on a real golf course in the summertime is the carry numbers. That's what matters because then you know, you know, if you can carry this bunker or, you know, carry that hazard. The role is the role. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a My variable. ego needs the role. <laughs> it, it needs the role. Uh, gosh, what else on the golf front? Obviously, going through the registration today, and then I have joined the ranks of my fellow co hosts and teaching the youth of America everything that I know about golf and life, <laughs> which could likely fit a small picture book. Pray for those kids. <laughs> so we did. We did have our first meeting uh, this evening, uh, which I apologize, gentlemen, uh, why I pushed just a little bit later into our recording. Um, but yeah, I, the other big win, huge W against Mike. He's now twenty-eight, one, and two in our matches. No, 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 no. Sim golf does not count. Let me tell you. So let's just talk about my week on the Sims. As, as someone that advocated for two different handicaps, there should be golf does count. <laughs> there should, yeah. If you have two, if you have a complete two separate handicap system, then sure, because you would play your sim handicap. So I we're going to do a different record. I'm one zero and zero against you. There you go. Inside, we we played the back nine at the old course. Um, and I drove ten and twelve, two par fours, two swings, seven putts later. I, with six foot with, with six foot gimmies, I was one over on those two holes. Not only that, I had a four putt. I have played, I played eighteen holes with Kevin from Twin Cities Golf at Inside Edge. Um, that'll be coming out on, I think YouTube, right, Jeff? Jeff just did one. And Tim, yep. you're, you're going to do it next Saturday or something, Tim? Monday or no uh, Saturday morning. So he's seven. got this whole. He's got a whole series kind of going on about. Sim golf quest to qualify, but I also four putted there the 18th hole to shoot one over after I hit 17 greens in regulation and hit it great. And then any the putting and the chipping, I cannot figure out on a simulator. It is a disaster. So you've got a lot of positives to pull though. Let's look at the positive putting. It's like putting in the sim. You know, it's like you know whatever. I don't think you really can be upset about it because it's just different. It doesn't really matter but how you hit it is is kind of what i think sim golf's about if you're hitting it well you're getting your good numbers you get to see your good numbers on the screen that's what you want to take away yeah i've been hitting it good and this is i mean i've probably played this is the most sim golf i've ever played i've played like five rounds this winter that's like the most ever and then yeah ball speed is good ball's going pretty well um i've always said if you're going to the sim i would always just jack the gimmies up as big as you can whatever the max is just put it on the max because you're there you want to get the full swings in anyway you can get more full swings and play faster if you jack it up but yeah it's a work in progress we'll keep working on we'll be back at inside edge with kevin to work on a few things and that's where uh, i went this last weekend i went to inside edge to join kevin as well um i am not a big sim guy i hit the golf lab in my basement quite often but i do not play a lot of similar golf i did one I know we did a couple holes when we were at the, you know, Hunter's place a while back when we did a live podcast, but that's about the last I've hit in the simulator. So I, I went up there not knowing what to expect. You know, every simulator can kind of tend to be different. So you're not quite sure what you're getting into in terms of the putting and the chipping and things like that. So we got me set up to do a little bit of short game work just so I kind of get an idea of what it, to expect when I got into my actual round. So we did some of that, got some swings in, got some driver swings in, played my round. Felt really good. Um, I 
think, you know, stat wise, basically right around every green, you know, I might've hit a couple of fringes here and there, but it was just a matter of, you know, can I get up and down just off the green basically is what it came down to. It no penalty strokes, basically hit most of the fairways. So played a really clean game other than just a couple of, you know, long chips that went to eight feet and then missed the putt kind of a thing. But shot a 68, four under. I thought was pretty excited about that. Got a skin. I mean, we're making money going out there. I mean, that's even more of an enticing me to come back. If I'm going to go there and make money, heck yeah, I'll do it again. Um, So so anyways. I've figured out why I struggle in the Sims. It's for sure. Because you have to think too much. Like... Anytime you, you know, let's say, well, even that round, I hit 17 greens there, you know, a couple of the par fives, I was up by the green, you know, and two somewhere. And then it says, oh, 21 yards or something like that uh, for your third shot. Well, in real golf outside, I'm not worrying about a yardage for that shot. You know, that little short shot. I just, you know, feel what it's going to be. And now the whole time in the sim, I'm like, geez, what do I, what does a 21 yard swing look like? Cause I'm not worried about feeling it. I'm trying to figure out a number. And I feel like anything inside of like, I don't know, almost a full wedge is really difficult because you're like, you, you're just not mechanical enough to, or maybe analytical enough to do that when I normally play outside or I just do it by basically feel. So you gotta, you gotta go to Happy's place, close your eyes, visualize what yeah. that 21 yards looks like outside and, and then pick a spot on the screen you think it's going to be at. Because uh, because chipping and putting indoors is a strong point. I mean, yeah, Tim up and was, down Tim from was everywhere. Like, Tim was up and down from everywhere. I was like, this is if anything has ever made a case for that. This is not real golf. This watching <laughs> Tim, watching Tim miss approach shots all over the place at the old course and get up and down from the most bizarre spots ever. <laughs> 30, 30 yards and in, guaranteed. Give me. <laughs> Well, anything else from your quest to qualifies? Anything that you want to bring up? I mean, it's going to be kind of a weekly check-in on what we're doing and nothing much. You know, getting the bodies right. I will say I had a lot of bananas this week. You know, it comes nutrition. I did eat a lot of bananas. I figured that's good for my body. I don't know what it's going to do for my golf, but made me feel better with myself. Getting the body right. My my old water heater went out at uh, at my house here, and I got a new one. I'm, I can't get it installed until next weekend. So I feel like this is the perfect way to get me to the gym. So now I have to go work out every day. So I can take a hot shower afterward, afterwards. It's like the golf god saying, yep, it's time to start working out. I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> if there's anywhere else that has a shower that you can go visit. If there's some bar or uh, or some other know. club. Well, here's the problem <laughs> that, yesterday. That won't benefit your health. Yesterday I had this big grand plan to go work out, you know, and then shower. And then I was running late, of course, for our sim golf. So I walked in and just showered and walked out. (laughs) (laughs) That's the uh, the executive workout right there. The old executive. You go in, you hit the sauna steam room, and then you hit the shower and leave. Yep. (laughs) I felt like a real like a real winner walking in and walking out ten minutes later. Just using it. He's like Buddy the Elf in the Taking showers. And He's there mall. for his health insurance points. <laughs> so, well, it's good to know that you guys are working on your games. I think that's, I think that's kind of part of the fun. We're just in, I mean, this is supposed to be fun. We're not taking this, we're taking it serious in a way, but we're also just enjoying the ride, enjoying the journey, enjoying, you know, trying to think about the ultimate goal. But then on the time you got to enjoy the steps to get there. You can't just, you know, wait for that day to show up. You got to enjoy practicing and getting fitted like Tim is about to with his driver and, and, uh, you know, working out and, and all those kinds of things are just part of it all. So we're excited. Um, hopefully some of you signed up a while and as well and joined us as, as Kevin has put out there that, uh, some will be chosen to, to be highlighted in their journey as well. So there's going to be, I think 10 total of us on this episode that's called quest to qualify through the, what is his actual series titled again? The quest to qualify will be the out of, out of bounds. bounds. Yep, out of bounds. So it's called out of bounds. But this particular episode will be qualify or trying to qualify for the um, uh, state am. So, anyways, well, we had a great go- a golf tournament this week um, to to discuss. Bay Hill delivers some great drama again um, down the stretches. Kurt Kitayama closes out pretty much the who's who of golf down the stretch of Bay Hill. I mean, he he three putts sixteen for a par birdies a hole that nobody was getting 
anywhere near 17. Um, then he hits a hits a green and reg from the left rough, which I think one out of four people were even getting a green and regu regu regulation if they missed the fairway. Um, nearly makes birdie, closes it out, um, and gets the W. I think he's had numerous runner-up finishes and kind of feel good for the guy. I mean, it wasn't great drama. It would have been fun to have a playoff with some of the big dogs and, you know, Rory and some other guys. But, but yeah, you got to got to be kind of happy for the guy. With about an hour to go. Well, Tim and I, we were, sit, we were at the bar still at the, uh, what the hell is that, Red Rooster by Hunter's Place in Long Lake there. Um, with like an hour to go, it was great, though. There was like five or six people there in the leaderboard. That was fantastic. But, yeah, hell yeah, Kitayama's a grinder. Like, I, I do, I will say when it comes to being in the rough, he has a little bit of an advantage because his swing is so steep. Um, and I like that he won because Tim will say that being short in stature means you can't hit it very far. But Kitayama's out there, pound for pound, 180 ball speed. If you uh, hold on, I got this on my phone. Uh, what was it, Tim? How they how they figure this equation out? It was so it was uh, ball speed divided by inches of height per inch of height. So he was number one on tour. His ball speed is one eighty, which is pumping it for a guy that's five seven, two point seven per inch. That's he's number one ahead of Rory and everybody for ball speed per inch on tour. So there's hope for Tim. You probably saw on on Instagram he was working out today. So I calculated our ball speeds. Jeff, I wasn't I wasn't sure on yours, but I can put it through the calculations real quick. I, I, be, I at, think I'm third. I think I'd be third in this group. I don't I don't swing very I, fast. You hit it right there with me, though. I think we'll call each other close. I think, I think that's natural left-handed. That's natural left-handed power. Do you think Ken Griffey really swings the bat that hard? No, it just just jumps off his club. I don't know. Pete Rose did a lot of drag bunting when he hit left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I figured it was all in Ken Griffey's tight fitting pants, to be honest, which is why I'm squatting so much. Uh, here nor there on that, did our numbers. I'm sitting at a 2.21. Mike is sitting around at a 2.32. Jeff, I'd imagine you're, you're probably right around me. Let's call it 2.23. Sure. So to get to Mike's... Uh, what uh, mile per hour per per inch of height? I need to get up to one sixty four ball speed. What are you at now? I put mine around one fifty seven for my absolute max. So not yeah. not all too far to go. Seven miles an hour. Then I'll, then I'll be then I'll be carrying it a whole two seventy off the tee. <laughs> so, Watch out! Of... After it rolls, it's going to be at least three hundred. You do, Sir, realize, how fast you, you, do, going? you do realize that on full swing, Matt Fitzpatrick worked for like two years to gain like three or four miles per hour. <laughs> yeah, but he's Sir. like super, he's super English. I <laughs> look at what, look at what Bryson did. Right. Um, here with Hunter, I walked into Hunter's go low golf today and he said, uh, he picked up 10 miles an hour by one simple trick. And I asked him if it was the hammer driver. He, he wouldn't tell me what exactly he did, but uh, there's a way out there and I'm going to, I'm going to find the easiest way possible to pick up this, this ball speed. Well, I mean, equipment is a lot of it. You know, those guys are tinkering around with the shaft that has the perfect kick point and everything they like that gets the ball speed up there and launch angle and everything. So equipment has a little bit to do with it. And, you know, obviously the swing is, is the key, but there's a reason why, like, I don't think when you watch Kitty Yama swing golf club, he's not, doesn't seem like he has that kind of speed like he doesn't seem like he has rory speed you know or rom speed but um it's kind of like he does you know that that measurement's like based on height and per inch but he gets it out there good enough uh a lot of it has to do with equipment you know, those guys have the best shaft best they have a, the ball that's you know like we talked to like john ellis said on the pod last last week you know they got a ball that's perfectly suited for them Every, everything is all is all figured out you know to the nth degree to make it optimal i su suppose jeff are you are you working towards the higher swing speeds i mean it, it's something i have my eye on just to to kind of take on more corners to to put more wedges in my hands this year than previous years are you working on that in the lab not really i don't i will first of all i can't swing a driver in my lab so like i, I can only like swing certain <laughs> clubs that aren't Lengthwise, otherwise I hit the ceiling. So like, down. The lab is limited. I don't. John yeah. Rom could, could swing a driver in your basement. Come on. 
I could probably swing a ripstick, but you know, that's what I haven't really, that's never been something that I've ever worked towards. I guess, you know, as I get older, you know, I'm getting all up there a little bit up there in age now. I probably have noticed that, you know, I have lost some distance because, you know, I just feel like I time at times I'm trying to swing a little bit hard. Whereas I used, used to kind of had some just natural power where I didn't really think no natural power again means different things, to different people. But for me, I was always one of the longer ones with my buddies that I played with. And I didn't feel like I even swung that hard. Well, then now I start thinking more about swing speeds and I start trying to swing harder. You know, posture gets worse. Um, you know, results of the ball goes left, getting two way misses. So like, I, I want to, of course, be able to drive the ball far. I think there's a definite advantage in golf if you can do it, but I also don't like the feeling of thinking swing hard. I never liked it. I don't, I don't feel comfortable going after balls. I don't, I just don't, uh, I don't feel comfortable in my own skin, uh, attacking a golf ball like that. I like to, I like to feel a nice feel. I'm a field player. I like to just feel my my club, feel my path and my swing, and hopefully it's somewhere in the fairway. We played Stream Song Blue. I hit every fairway of Stream Song Blue. Never done that in my life. And it was, I was just, all I was thinking about was getting that club kind of down in the slot, and the ball just would go straight. And I, I had a really fun time playing because I was always in play. You know, and I, I, and I, so I don't know. I have a good idea for you. You're a tennis guy. You know, you're, you're a tennis I am background. Tennis, tennis, yes, I am. You got a grunt. That's a tennis thing. You know, you watch pro tennis, they're <laughs> grunting all over the place out there. You just got to be like the hammer infomercials and give it a little grunt out, out there when you're bumping the driver. You'll probably pick up a few yards. Yeah, what was her name? A lower, a high pitch grunt, Jeff. Yeah. Do you, a Monica do you go, I, I would like the high pitch, hard. Monica Sellis. Uh, I, I want the high. I want the high pitch Sellis. So I, I will say, having played Highland, not much. Tim's played it the most, uh, and we'll get out there. I have to think Highland is one of those courses where you just want to pick the safe side and hit it as far as you can. There's, It's pretty open. There's not a ton of trouble there. Just let it rip for the most part. There's a couple holes, but it's not a – there, there's not a single hole really that's like target golf fairway. It's an old-school city course, straight fairways, no, not much trouble. You just let it let it buck most of the time. I'm okay with that. Sounds good to me. Yep. Speaking of that, uh, Kidiyama went out of bounds twice Crazy. and still won a tournament. I mean, that's that's impressive. I mean, it's a hard, hard golf course. It's 2-0-B, still wins by a shot. Um, but I think really the takeaway is obviously he didn't give up. He kind of, you know, after taking his triple, kept kept at it. But I was not that impressed with the majority of the big names down the stretch. You had sloppy bogeys by Spieth and Rory. Scheffler's wedge on 18 was bizarre. Chunk, you know, barely got into the green. Chunky. chunky. You got, uh, you know, Hatton started missing all these short putts. Victor Hovland was limping in. Um, you know, you had Cantley and Herrick's English kind of there in the mix a little bit, but never quite, you know, threatening anything. So all these really big name guys, all these guys that have played in the Ryder Cups and some of the heaviest pressure situations you can come up with you know been in the runnings for majors have won majors and you got kidiyama sticking through didn't give up after a triple that is something that we can take away we got to just keep grinding after you know i try to aim for the water tower at highland and miss it go ob you know take a hopefully a five and he, and move he had on the candy cane he had the candy cane on tv the candy stripes on the scorecard and he still yeah. won. I don't know the stats on this. They probably should look this up before the pod and been prepared. When was the last time somebody made a triple bogey in the final round and still won a tournament? It has to be a long time. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think a lot of it really came down to putting. I know we were we were sitting at Hunter's place, uh, Minnesota Golf Lab there, and I was saying when they were warming up, I said, I think Rory's going to win. He's he he's always usually when you watch Rory play one of the four rounds he goes pretty low he hadn't went that low yet and then he came out and bogeyed the first two I was like what in the hell but he got it going you know he went on the Rory kind of run but I fully fully expected him to make that putt on eighteen like he hit it to the perfect spot the spot that you every single pro out there knows where that pin is going to be on Sunday it's always the same spot I guarantee you they go over to that spot where Rory hit it because that's that's where they're all aiming. 15 or whatever, 15 feet, you know, just kind of left of the hole. 
And they they have to putt that putt a ton of times. He had to know what that was going to do. I, I actually can't believe he missed it. I thought for sure he'd run that in. But, yeah, um, yeah I don't know. Spieth was making putts from all over the place like he does sometimes early in the round. Um, oh, he missed some easy. He missed some shorties I mean, again. That's his, that's his Achilles heel, though. He's so hard to pick honestly- because, yeah, he's he's an absolute roller coaster ride is what he is. Scheffler's the one that the Scheffler one's the most bizarre. I thought Chef I thought for sure on 18 Scheffler was going to make a birdie and force a playoff there because he had a wedge in his hand. Like he pumped the drive right down the middle. Um wedge in his hand, barely got it well, it hit the green and spun backwards, so I think he chunked it, but and then he didn't get up and down. He bogeyed it with the with the wedge in his hand. Well, I, I will. I tell you what, though, that's the def- that's the defense. Though the rough is up, it's thick. There was some. Sp- Did you see Rory on like fourteen or fifteen? 15, hitting the rough 15. and like like chunk it out of there, basically, um, like shank it across the across yeah. the fairway. It's thick, which is awesome. Like, like that's a terrible. Tim's played there. I'm sure when you play it in person, it's way better than it looks on TV. It's not a good TV golf course. Um, but I love the fact it's, I love it that, that they defend par out there a little bit. The PGA tour doesn't do that enough. Like, like nine under is like a perfect winning score. Like it's tough enough. It's not 20 under, you know, I, I love it that like that nine to 15 range, you know, is a good, a good spot where you, you know, it's good golf. It's not overly penalizing, but you, you just, this is not a birdie fest. Um, they, the, the icy greens were just fun to, to watch. And look at. You know, I, and I know, I know uh, John talked about on the pod, uh, Wyndham Clark's caddy, he wished they were a little softer and maybe so they're pretty bouncy. I mean, those guys are, you, some of those putts were fiery too. Like I know I, I listened on the radio driving home on Sunday and they go, uh, these guys knew when the, when that, when they came out on Sunday morning, and they said we're not double cutting them. We're only going to cut them once. That they were going to be faster in hell, and 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 I don't know if they liked that. But those guys are running. You know, typically they would leg a putt a few, you know, six to eighteen inches past. The old. they had a lot of three and four footers coming back for par. Things were rolling out. It was pretty fiery, which I like. Like I wish there'd be more of that. It, it doesn't need to be like U.S. Open penalizing where like one over is going to win sometimes. But I love it when it's a little bit more of a challenge than the typical. You know, get a number, hit it up there, and stick it right next to the pin and make a putt. That was fun to watch. Well, it's not like people couldn't go six under either. There were multiple times yeah. where where a player went six under, so it was out there. It was it was playable enough, but it had enough teeth at the same time. But God, that last hour at the very start of that round, it felt like we were all watching the Kentucky Derby, and here are all these thoroughbred so horses. Ah, oh, the first turn was incredible. Everyone's coming down the back end, and and then something happens about an hour out, and it's like the jockeys got off the horse, and they had to try to haul the carcasses across the finish line with so <laughs> many of those guys. Well, that's... I mean, you got Kitayama, just the 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 little horse that could in the back galloping past everyone. That's that's the beauty of the of how they do that tournament, though. Like, like think about that. If that's a normal PGA Tour stop at some TPC. Kitayama's up one. He drives it in the rough. It's barely penalizing. He just hits it up there to a massive green, makes his par, and he wins. But that, but the way this tournament's run and the course is set up, and I know he made, I know he almost made that crazy long birdie putt in eighteen too. But you know, he hits his tee shot in the rough, and you're you're sitting there at home like, holy shit, he could probably miss this green and bogey this thing, and we're going to a playoff because you just don't know, you know, where your normal tour stop. You're like, well, that's not a big deal. He's just going to get it up there and two putt and be done, and he wins. So I think they do a really good job of of course set up there to make it, to make it interesting. Yeah. And you can't, you can't overlook the, the finishing holes. I think, you know, 16 offers a Eagle chance. And as Victor Hovland found out, you know, potentially go in the water, you know, kind of blow up on it. So that's good. You always have a hole that you're like, I can get one back here. And then you're trying to hold on and 17 and 18 and not give one back after you gain one on 16 as 17 proved kid. was the only one. I mean, his ball flight, on that iron shot he hit was like he hit a pitching wedge. You know, he hit some like was six or seven iron. Well, he's super so, high. He's so steep. He hits it so high because he's so steep. He's you ever did you see with that one hole when they broke his swing down? You know, they had they had the plane of his takeaway and then they had the plane of yeah. his 
take when he gets to the top. It like goes straight up and down almost. It's crazy. Tim will contend though that he does he can't figure out why these guys are having such a hard time on the last four holes. It's the rest yeah, of the yeah. golf course that's hard. Last five. 14, 15, 16, 17, and, and 18. One under par. I, I have no that's, idea where they're struggling. Look at this guy. Of the golf course. <laughs> now, I think I was 14 over on the other holes, but... Uh... Finish strong, Timmy. No, but Bay, Bay Hill never, like, for a golf course that doesn't seem to do much, at least for me, it never disappoints, though. It seems like it's always a pretty good finish, a good tournament, always mm-hmm. a pretty close ending, It's and always has a good field. I mean, look at the look at me the ending. I mean, all those guys, Ryder Cup guys. You got Kitayama winning, but like just a lot of who is who. A lot of guys, like I said, played in some big time golf tournaments. So I don't know. Are you guys ready to head? Uh, I don't know which direction it is from Orlando, but we're heading to uh, is we're it north? Going north. Gordon North, we're kind going of north to Jacksonville and a area. East. Okay, north and east to the Players Championship. I think one, you know, the fifth major, one of the funnest tournaments to watch. Also offers. A lot of drama down the stretch. Got some great closing holes. You've got very similar situation on to Bay Hill because you've got a, a par 5, 16 that you can get. You've got the 17 that you're holding on for dear life. You've got 18 that, that offers a, a drive or you've got to put it into play or you could you know hit in the water and, and blow up on it too. So it's got a really good closer there. But it's TPC Sawgrass, Pete Dye Design, you know, host of the Players' Championship. Um I don't know. Last year was kind of anomaly. We had such ridiculous weather. I know oh, we talked a lot about that. It was fantastic fun to watch. To watch my boy to... JT that day just carving shots. Yeah, because I mean, all the guys were just fluffing, flailing shots into the water on seventeen. It was actually low key entertaining. It was a giggle fest for me watching those guys just baffled on how to hit the green. So, as you, if you guys are listening to the sound, Tim's in, in the golf go, or go low golf lab. There's a lot of guys working on their games. That's what that sound is for those of you wondering. Uh, oh, is, is that like, coming through? Can you hear the, the wax of the golf hear the, Yeah, just, yeah. We, I think, we, I think they are. Yeah. yeah it's, a good, it's a good background noise. Um, this is like Pete Dye's opus. It's like his his big his big thing, you know, is, you know, we all know that this is this was Pete Dye in Pete Dye asshole stage. He built this golf course to test the best players in the world. And if you ever go back and if you Google the early years at TPC Sawgrass, like when it first opened up, the tour it was almost impossible. The tour players were, were playing it with persimmons and shit, and they could not even reach fairways on a couple holes. And it was windy some rounds, and they were like, "This is the worst golf course ever." Uh, but it it makes for good TV. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be good. It's a great field again. It. I think one thing that these elevated events have proven, and again, I will harp on this till the till they change it. I wish they would look like they've done four elevated events in the last five. Put one at TPC Deer Run or TPC Twin Cities so we can see what these guys shoot. These elevated events, if you the cream rises to the crop to the top, and I'm sure that you know it'll happen again. But you know, and I know Kitayama won, but the rest of that leaderboard at, at an elevator event was just was big names. It was the best players in the world. It was Rory and Scheffler and Spieth and Cantlay was up there and all these guys. Um, but it's interesting because this golf course is crazy. It's bizarre. You can't like I was trying to pick pick a winner and it's almost impossible. I don't. It doesn't. It like I I don't think previous history matters really. Like. Fowler won one year and he's, but he's missed a cut like six of the 11 times he's played. He's like five for 11 and cuts may, but he won one year. It's it, just, is, it's it, crazy. it is very mysterious. If you go and look and try to find course history on it, there's very little to pick from it. You know, you've got a lot of good players playing really good golf and they could easily miss the cut this week. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a really weird tracking like there's a lot of data that this doesn't make sense on this golf course i think it's you know it's a hard it's a it's a hard golf course to master you know it's not one you could just bomb and gouge so you have to have some accuracy there but like if you go back and look for example Cantley's missed the last three cuts uh you know scheffler rom have not played well there lately you know rom one year shoffley's missed a couple like two of the last three or something took second one year hasn't made a cut since you know it's like a lot of that random Top five finish to three missed cuts in a row to to top twenty to two more missed cuts. It's just like there's no there's a lot of courses that have a 
horse for the course, right? Or what do they call where they say there? But this one doesn't have that. It's you know, it's Pete Dye's uh, I don't know what you call it. It's he his opus. It's his, it's his, his opus. Like Mr. There you go. opus. It's his big it's <laughs> his it's his thing. Um it's it's bizarre. So and now and so it's many of the holes set up for, for different shot shapes. So you'll have this is the most Pete Dye of Pete Dye. You'll have a, a drive that requires a draw, and then the approach will require a fade. Um, and then you'll have the exact opposite on the next hole. So he he specifically mixes it up with this course to incorporate so many different necessary ball flights. And the the trees that he left within that swamp are so mature and so tall that it it leaves very little area to really go over the top with. And um, and now it's played in March. You know, it used to be in May. I think it's windier in March there. Like if you look at the last couple of years at Bay Hill, it's been pretty windy. Last year at Sawgrass, crazy windy. Um, so yeah, I think we got you winter conditions. Oh, not to mention, by the way, probably the most, the greatest example of just absolutely heinous American greens fees of all time is Sawgrass. Like the weekend peak right now, if you went and played Sawgrass next week, on a Saturday after the players, what does that run, Tim? Eight hundred bucks. Eight fifty, I think. I saw. It, it's just it's. Ooh, inflation got him. It was eight forty. It's abs. What a joke! And what if? What a freaking joke! What are you doing? Like, my God! Like, I would love to play it one time. Obviously, everybody would, but eight fifty. Holy shit! Never, That's, never pay that. I'll never pay never. That, that it, Guys, the this only is, this is the home of the tour, though. Who cares? You're paying for the yeah, mystique. Jay Monahan. Jay Monahan and... can pay eight fifty one time. Go ahead, Jay. Uh, who the hell? And the normal person wouldn't. You'd be stupid. Find it at off peak time. You could play. You could play so many good golf courses for the same price. You could play Beth Page Black like six times at a peak week weekend rate almost for the what you would pay to stay one night and play fucking TPC Sawgrass. What a joke. I can attest it is very, you know, I go to Florida every March, usually the end of March and it's always windy. Like I don't, I don't remember a lot where it's like, you know, in the morning you might wake up and it's kind of a little bit breezy. And then by the time you finish, it's, you know, you're playing two clubs wind, you know? So I think that Mike, when you said move off to March, I don't quite know what May's like there. Cause I don't, you know, go to Florida much in May, but I can attest every time I feel like I've been there, there's been wind to deal with. And, uh, that's probably a big part of the two, the, the factor of the Bay Hill and, and uh, sawgrass getting all those windy days. So that's probably a part of it. Yeah, I think I think March is generally windier since they've moved this, at least since they've moved this tournament. I feel like it's been a lot windier than it, than it was in uh, the May years. But, you know, because it used to be like it used to be like players than the PGA, like or no players. Um, and then kind of into your summer thing. I don't know what I'm thinking. PGA is in May now, but um, this was like the big spring event, but it was, I feel like, I feel like the scores the last few years, I haven't looked this up. So this, this could be wrong. I feel like they've been way, it's been way di- more difficult in March than it ever was in May just because of the wind. Yeah. And I don't know anything about, you know, seating, you know, the seating and the maturity of the course at this time of year either. I don't have much knowledge of, you know, I'm not a Florida resident, so I can't really quite say anything about that. So that is that come into play? Who knows? Um, you know, I don't know what May versus March is like in terms of conditioning. I know Tim played in December Bay Hill. It's going to be different than March Bay Hill. You know, there's just different seasons. So I do. It, yep. I think it's a good move. I I like I like this. I like having this one in March and having the PGA in May, even though even though it eliminates some of the PGA sites. You know, you eliminate some of the like, like you, like in May, you can never play a PGA championship, but Hazel T here would never be ready. Uh, and pr- but when the old, the old way, you are, you are constantly waiting. You know, golf people like us will watch all the events pretty much, but you're constantly waiting for Augusta. Basically, this this gives you one event, kind of a big one in between, and then after the British Open. You're like, well, the PGA is still left. Nobody gives a shit about that. So I like that it ends at the British Open. You don't have to worry about a PGA in August, which no one's watching anyway. So I think it's a good, a good change for the the way they have it scheduled. But I'm actually with John Ellis on the P, on you know Wyndham Clark's caddy we had last week on the pod is have Florida first, do Florida in like January, 
in early February yeah. and put and then go West Coast. It, this makes no sense. Just flip it. You absolutely could, except for maybe this event, just because Jacksonville is so far north. It's going to be a little bit more dormant. I don't, when I played Bay Hill in December, the rough was was just starting. That that seed was just starting to take hold and, and really starting to get some growth. There's got to be a reason why. I should look this up. Have you ever – I wonder why they – is it because Hawaii, they want to start in Hawaii when it's the coldest? Like, like that's always going to be nice. Yeah, Hawaii is always nice. And, yeah, and January is – it's tough to find places. But I, Austin right now, for instance, was 80 degrees this last weekend. So it, this – Southern America is not dealing with with what yeah, we are no. here. God no. Well, let's get to the picks. Yeah, we're not going to talk about last week. We we sucked. We have struggled. Week. We we went from you know we were probably the, the best the best pick segment that you could ever find. Uh, we've struggling here. We we are we have not done well the last couple of weeks. It's not that I don't think we made. I think we made good picks, but it yeah. is not easy. You know, picking golf is very difficult. It's fun. But it's not easy. There's well, so many factors, so it's I mean, been a tough ride. Like, here's the thing: we're picking. We're not just picking necessarily to win. We're picking with based on odds. Obviously, if you're picking just to win, you've been taking Rom. Like, you know, like again this week, nobody's going to pick Rom probably because the odds aren't good enough. But like, you could just. I think the Bay Hill will be an anomaly. He'll be. I'm sure he'll be good again at this week. Uh, you could take Ron every week. He's the best player in the world. Same thing with like a Rory, but the odds never really are great there. So you try to find something else that'll give you a, a better, you know, more money. Um, but anyway, so we're going uh, strictly players. I I had a tough time here because I, I, I love the big Kenya Open on the DP World Tour, but, uh, <laughs> That's right. you know, I, I will say this was a shitty, it sucked this week. I'm a, a big proponent of coffee golf. Love it. It's I wish the PGA tour was teeing off at, at 7 a.m. when I wake up in the morning, you know, or 6 a.m. It's the best. You get up, you make a whole pot of coffee, and you just watch golf. And this week they were doing like tape delayed cola guard classic from the senior tour, or as Fried Egg will call it, shit in a box classic. That's what cola guard <laughs> is. Um, like that was the worst. I love watching the DP in the morning when I get up, but no, they were on the week off, but they're in Kenya. The golf course that has like barbed wire fencing because of like I don't know if it's for animals or or what's going on, but that one's sick. I love watching the Kenya Open. Um, like you can just straight. Google DP in the morning. You can watch it. I know, but they didn't. They didn't play last week. They had the week off. Um, they're always on. They're like they're the they're the for sure morning golf channel is DP World Tour Thursday through Sunday because it's like the time is like they're live you know, when we're getting up is like their afternoon. So it's perfect all the time, but we go, we're going straight up players only. You got to pick a winner top 10 and a top 20 with the, with our standard $500 total. Let's go. Let's, let's go back and forth. Should we, should we do top 20 down to winners? Yes. I like that. All right, here we go. Top 20, Jeff, who do you got? Top 20. I have a Canadian. He's made the cut in five out of seven years at TPC Sawgrass. Um, been very consistent over the last year. He has made 17 of 19 cuts in his, you know, I should say, he's made the cut in 17 out of his last 19 events. He's steady, um, good putter, pretty straight driver. That is Adam Hadwin. He's not flashy. He's not exciting. But I'm just going for somebody that I feel like can get me that value. And I know that he's playing good enough golf to play in the weekend, which you can't really make. You know, in this term of of cuts, you can't make a top twenty if you don't make a cut. So that's what we're going with. Uh, speaking of, we didn't even talk about the no cuts. We got to do that at the end, I, maybe, yeah. quickly at the end. But uh, I thought for sure you were going to go lefty Canadian Mike Weir, but <laughs> Mike, Mike Weir. I'm, not playing this week. I'm sure you had a poster of him. You probably had a poster of him on your wall in like. High I may or may have not sent him a few DMs <laughs> to see if he can uh, can join the pod. Tim, who do you got for top twenty? All right, so it, it, never trust the weather, right? We just had a, a, a massive snowstorm last night, and then our snowmageddon turned up almost nothing. Right now, it's it's projected that the wind is coming on Wednesday. Well, I'm hoping it gets pushed back because my top 20 pick is a guy that knows all about the wind from playing in, in the fields of North Dakota. 
and a guy that has the second best approach to the green stats and and being in the right spot because the, the rough is fairly penal uh penalizing at uh, uh at tpc sawgrass this week um, but really a lot of danger around the greens a lot of places to really put the ball where you're not making uh, a par um so I want someone that has a great approach game. Uh, so going with Tom Hoagie. Hoagie. I want He's got a lot of big game experience. I'm sure he's played in a couple Bobcat North Dakota Opens at the Fargo Country Club. That's the big event on the Dakotas Tour. Um, all right. I have I've done a complete 180 in my in the way I'm doing picks right now because I am in a funk. This has been this is a bad run for me. So we're 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 saying screw. Screw course history, nothing. We're going complete current form, how they're playing now. What have you done for me lately? So we're going to go with a guy who's got a T40, a T5, and a T24, his last three starts, the top 20. That's uh, Justin Suh. He's been playing pretty well. Suh, suh, baby. Yep. So uh, <laughs> we'll we'll throw out that WD he had at Pebble Beach. I'm not sure what happened there. I didn't pay attention. <laughs> but he's played well the last three weeks. So we're going to go, we're going to ride him for a top 20. At the yeah, player. he's been a flash in the pan. He's a talented guy. I think he played he some has. Pac-10 golf. Very good college golfer. Well, I have picked him back, and I think in you know some one of the first early events because I just felt like he was he's just too talented to not finally you know start doing something on the tour. And I think to me, um, all of all the golf courses they play on this you know 2023 spring kind of thing on the West Coast in Florida, the closest one to TPC is the Honda. You know, at at you know at pitch whatever it is PGA Championship, of course, with a lot of water, a lot of dog leg, whatever. And he, I know it was a shitty field, but he t five there, so he played well at a course that's you know sets up somewhat like this. All right, Jeff, top ten. I am going back to the well. It's just it's just too easy. Um, this is a layup. This is a layup, and this is the guy he loves Bermuda. I talked about it last week. Top ten, Keith Mitchell. I keep oh, riding Kesner Keith. He has two top fives in his last four starts. Was leading the players last year, I think through like two or three rounds. He's hitting the ball fantastic. It's a matter of can he make a few putts. He's just so due. Um, and I'm just gonna. I think he's gonna get me a, t- a top ten this week, and maybe even flirt for getting the W. We'll see. I gotta think he wins this year somewhere, doesn't he? He's, he's hitting playing so, so well. And not to mention, he wears a tour visor. Like how people like Keith Mitchell. I have a man crush on Keith Mitchell, everybody, because he wears the tour visor and he's always rocking like the sweetest, like something X foot joy premieres. They're always sweet. Uh, and he pumps it, hits the driver. He's one of the top 10 driver distance guys on tour. Can we, can we talk Mitch- about his pants too? He goes beltless. I don't know if yeah. you've seen these. He's wearing. I don't know about that, but Keith Mitchell's the whole vibe. I love Keith Mitchell. He's a stud. Uh, and he has played great this year. If he, if Keith Mitchell was putting better this year, he probably would have won, or he'd be right there on the finish of a bunch of these events. Mm-hmm. Him? Well, I got to go with the uh, the guy out of Gainesville, the now resident of the area, uh, and a guy that just got featured on uh, Four Plays segment when they went to go play the course. He didn't have his best form then. He showed a little bit of frustration. Did they beat him? I didn't. I didn't no, watch it. They, he lost to Riggs, who couldn't hit a tee shot to save his <laughs> life. Oh my god! And and do you see Lurch's shot on seventeen? It was the worst shot I've ever seen. Somehow he lost I, to those clowns. Those guys. We I was. Them. I call them clowns. I was totally man. rethinking my whole stealth two purchase after watching Riggs in it. Going, <laughs> god, I thought it was far giving. Like my god, <laughs> that's not even on this planet. He's into like the old Ponte Verdra uh, country club with that drive. Like he's across the street. Oh, but we're going with, unfortunately the loser of, of that match, but I think he's going to bring in a little bit better form. uh, Billy Horschel to to top 10. And I'm putting most of my money here. I'm putting $300 on him because he's plus 2,800. Top 10 for 300. I went two hundred on uh, Justin Sell. What did you go do for money, Jeff? And your two. I, I should. I should have said I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go two hundred, two hundred, and then one hundred for my winner. Okay. Well, here's what I do. I'm going with my current. Uh, you know, how, what have you done for me lately? And this guy's last four events. He's played the last four tour events are T seven, fifth, T 
T9 top 10. He has been inside the top 10 in the last four. He leads the field in bogey avoidance, and he has the best stroke in putting in the last 20-some rounds of anybody in the field. That's Jason Day to top 10 at uh, 200 bucks. It's been a resurgence for him this year. He's in contention like every single um, time he plays, it seems like, which mm-hmm. I think is awesome because he was, you know, realistically, he was world number one, but he went on a heater for like six months, basically, and got there. He won the players. He won he won the PGA. Um, but he really putts well. He's hitting it great. And I just like Jason Day because of all, you know, he grew up dirt dirt poor hitting like, clubs and shit in Australia from landfills that they found. Um he's just a great story overall. Jay Day. A couple like things on him. Again. Yeah, a couple things on him. Well, first of all, he he does have course history, Mike. He won the players. So that's he kind did of win there, but he's played he well players, lately. I'm so. going I'm going okay. But he he won there in May. I, I throw all that out. If okay, okay. This, that's right. Your data your data is March data. data. Okay. March yep. data. And the other thing about him, it just seems like he's not like just so he he was like um you know, when you when you watched him, you, it was obvious how he got back pain. He was just ripping at balls, and like I feel like he's taking a smoother approach. He's he just doesn't look like he's attacking a golf ball like he once did, and it's, it's probably making him a healthy player too because he's had all those back injuries. So he just seems like he's a got a nice smooth swing and hitting the hitting the ball great. Fun. I, I've always great, liked Jay. Had a great year, absolutely. He's been he's been, you know, if if you throw Rom. And Rory out probably. He's been the most consistent player on tour. He's there every single week in the top ten. It seems like Max Holmes has been playing. Well, Holmes been pretty good, but Holmes is a little hit. hit Holmes is a little hit and miss. He, you know, he's up and down a little more. Day's been there every single event basically. All right, winner Jeff. Well, I'm gonna go to a past winner. Yeah, uh, Tim mentioned you got to shape the ball. He's he's done that. That's why he kind of won. He's known for his monster hook on 18, little three wood flip hook or is a seven wood. I don't remember what it was, but it was just ridiculous to watch. It's JT past champion, um, shot shaper, loves the big moments coming off a disappointing Sunday. I might add, he did not play well at Bay Hill on Sunday. He was in it going into Sunday. So I think he's out for blood this week. I think he's locked in. He's focused. Bones is on his bag. And he's ready to 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 uh, take back that players' championship, JT to win. Tim, God, this is going to feel like a live event. We're all going to pick the same guy to, to get not. the W. Because I'm not even though you guys are taking my boy. Because I also had JT to win. I mean, he's he's plus nineteen hundred. Um, if the win comes, if the win's delayed at all, he has the best chance in it out of anyone in the field. Uh, so I'm just. I'm again, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that the, the forecasting is wrong, that the wind holds through at least Friday and, and really starts to eliminate and separate players. Um, but JT to win hundred bucks. All right. You two guys took my guy. Uh, I, I think it's a good course for him. He can work the ball, you know, like nobody out there, but he has not played well this year. Like, in stretches he has, but he has not put it all together. He actually looks really frustrated a lot of times in those rounds out there. I'm not sure why, but it's a good course for him. So I really think I would like to take Rory. I think Rory's trending, um, but I'll wait for the Masters for that pick to finally cap off the career Grand Slam. Um, his odds aren't good enough. I think Rom, the odds aren't good enough for Rom. So I'm going to go with a guy uh, playing well lately. He's got a, a third and a T4. Has not played well in this golf course. He's missed a cut the last three years. But Pete Dye's opus calls for the ultimate. Calls for the ultimate. You know, you got to have power off the tee. Precision and a little deft touch. So I'm going to take the ultimate handyman. The DIY. I got my screwdriver, baby. Richard DeWalt himself. Uh <laughs> Patrick Cantlay to bank and, and get and get that Goldman Sachs the other side of his hat, get that thing loaded. He can't, he can't lay an egg, can he? Three point six million with the <laughs> Patrick Cantlay, the ultimate, the most bizarre hat combo of all time. Goldman Sachs and Dewalt, but uh, he embraces it. You know, deep down, he knows he's he's dressed like a douche, but he's embracing it. He just yeah. he plays that facade. He just he also wore all black on Sunday with just white, just white dry joys. 
And it was 90 <laughs> degrees. It was 90 <laughs> degrees out that Sunday. But he's been so good lately. He's got third and T4, and he's been awful at this golf course. But I'm, I, I got to stick to my guns here with how, what have you done for me lately? And I can't take Ram or Rory because the odds aren't good enough. So we're taking Cantlay, workman-like performance, put the work gloves on, get the drill out, get the, get, w- get the uh, you know, whatever, the DeWalt tools, and let's get to work, Patrick. I think he needs some some Timberlands out there. He needs the work boots. <laughs> and a, do- and a white a white do-rag on his head. Wouldn't that be amazing if Putjoy made him like some some brown like steel-toed golf shoes and he just showed up with like bibs on and a DeWalt hat and just kicked ass. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> so we got so okay, before we leave, a couple things. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to name the name just in case it doesn't happen, but I got a guy who is playing this week in the Players' Championship. He's, a, he's For the first time, he has agreed to come on on, I think, next week's episode at some point in time. If not, if not the normal pod, like a separate little podcast. So we're going to have some Inside the Ropes uh, Players' Championship from a player. Also, we got to talk quickly about this, uh, the new, before we end this, the new elevated events next year that are having a uh, 70 man field and, and no cut. Tim, I, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this, man. I, so I, I listened uh, to a piece about Jack Nicholas and his attempt to separate himself from the tour and how it was socialism at the time uh, to make it so you couldn't independently brand yourself. He would be rolling over to look at that contract with Lou. He's not dead. He'd also be rolling over about the elimination of cuts and the stealing of likenesses by the PGA as they continue to look more and more like the brand that they hate the most. I just, I can't understand how you can compete or keep a competitive field or claim to have a competitive field when you're doing exactly what Liv did. It just, you're, you're making it impossible for guys to move up the ladder. You've eliminated it. You have separated yourself from your, your ivory tower all but fitting as as we go to Sawgrass, where there literally is an ivory tower for the PGA. I guess the only difference is they don't have to qualify. So, I mean, they still have to qualify and play good golf. That's the only big difference, but the format looks very similar. I think the biggest losers in all this is the fantasy players, the DFSers. Like, the cut is fun. Like, you want to play head-to-head, and you want to see if, you know, you want all your guys to make the cut. The cut is a big deal, but I don't think that's a big enough um, group of people. You know, that's a oh. big people love the cut when it comes to, to daily fantasy. I think um well this is this is geared towards a few people. It's geared towards keeping your superstars happy. Uh, you know, your your big dogs. And I think it's also geared towards I'm willing to bet the sponsors have said, you know, here's the deal. We're paying a shitload of money to host the, you know, the I don't know who well the players doesn't have anybody, but like the uh the Genesis, you know, an elevated event. We want all of the best players playing on the weekend. Even if they play like shit. You know, like think about it. If Tiger if Tiger Woods at the Genesis misses the cut, what happens to the you know, the T V viewership and the attendance at the event? I'm sure it gets cut down, you know, by a crazy amount. They want all of the best players there for the weekend when, when people typically come out and watch. Um, so I think that's part of it, but you're right. I, t- overall, it's just the optics of it are so bad, uh, you know, because it looks so much like what they've been railing against, you know, with the live tour. I just don't understand. Like why announce that now? It, it makes no sense. Like just wait, let live fail on its own. It's going, you know, who knows by the end of the year they had, they had, by the way, that our last week's pod, I believe they had in the New York market, the largest market in America, 7,000 viewers are watching it only, you know, which is basically zero. Like, why announce that now? Just wait. Wait until like late summer or something um, when people that don't give a shit about golf, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of the offseason and then announce it. I don't, I don't know. The optics of it are bad. I hate that there's not going to be any Cinderella story. There's not going to be a, you know, like 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 Kurt Kitayama would have been inside the top seventy, but the Nick Taylors at Waste Management and some of those things aren't going to be there. 
they do have to qualify into the top 70. So it's not quite the same as live, but it looks like it's the same. And that's the problem that they're having. It, it's a, it's bad optics. I mean, I personally like the Bay Hill setup. It's like, what, like, what is an elevated event now? hundred guys. What is uh, it? Uh, 120. I think it is. So, 120. I mean, like I get it. I think they're trying to do 70 because then the other events are going to get better players. I think they said something about like the John Deere didn't even have a top 80 player last year or something like that. Like, yeah. you know, you're still going to get a couple of guys that, because if you win, you are now going to be in those events. So, you know, it does, it does bode for somebody that is outside of that top 70 to, it gives them enticement to play it. Uh, of course, maybe that they wouldn't, but you're not going to get again, your 3M, I'm thinking about it. You're not going to get your Tony Finals. You're not going to get your, you know, guys that, you know, have, have typically come there. If it's not an elevated event, they're just, you're not going to. You're going to still get some okay players, people that, you know, players that people know, but not any top name guys. And and that's kind of the, the sad thing. But at the same time, I'm always a big fan too of the up and comers. Like, you know, Spieth did his up and coming at the John Deere. Bryson won at the John Deere. Um, you've got Matt Wolf one at the 3M. You know, these young guys have that opportunity because all the big guys aren't probably going to be playing. So it gives you a chance to uh, to see some of those young guys and hopefully they win so they can, you know, make it quicker. But that's really your only avenue to get there, unfortunately. Yeah, from, a, from a player perspective, I suppose there's there's a good piece to this. If you're in that top 70, you're guaranteed money, right? You know that it. you're not going to walk away with a goose egg. But the the tour has shown time and time again it has the capital. It can it can pay a minimum amount to each player to show up so they're not burning a hole in their pocket to do so. It it can do that. It can provide for that that 125 uh, total field if they wanted to. The they're just is, they're, they're choosing not to. If you're top seventy, you're you're probably making millions in endorsements and everything anyway. Like I don't. Is 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 the money like? Let's say you're in a full field event. I don't even know what did what did the person well, that, got, that made the cut and got dead last. Is Jenna paid? Sims your wife or not? Is Jenna Sims your wife? We I guess keep it that depends. But like, I don't. Jenna even know Sims what, your wife? You got is Paulina Gretzky your wife? Because if not, you're you're you gonna need to pull cut, out some money in a normal tour event. You make the cut and you get seventieth place. You can't get that much money. Like these guys already make so much money on endorsements. Um. I don't know. The PGA Tour has multiple issues. Here's another issue. The Puerto Rico opener, whatever the hell it was, had, like, uh, uh, the guys on Shotgun Start were talking about this. There was tons of players playing that are outside of the top 1,000 in the world rankings. Top 1,000. They did The, the Corn Ferry Tour has been off for, like, a month. They had, like, a month off. And the, the PGA Tour did not invent invite the number one ranked player on the Corn Ferry Tour. Like, why would you not be saying, hey, guys, come and play in this PGA Tour event. If you win, you're exempt for the freaking year. Get some of these good young players. Instead of you're throwing out there, Boo Weekly played, Kevin Stadler played, fucking John, John Houston is 60, like two years old. I know he shot 59 in like 1994. But holy shit, get get young, talented players out there and say, you have a chance to win this event and get your PGA Tour card. For like, what are they exempt for? Like, it's multiple years if you win a tour event. Like, what is the P- – that is part of the problem. I will say, not that this is like a pro-live take, it's not, but the PGA Tour is also stupid. They They love to just keep these old – guys like the jj henry's of the world that play a billion tour events never can compete they're not good enough they just keep these guys around forever like holy crap this event's a perfect example of that there were guys playing that had no business playing on the pga tour none whatsoever let some of the corn free guys play once in a while and and i get it maybe it doesn't maybe for a corn fairy player it's like bad to go play it like to me the way the corn fairy should be set up. Look, let's say there's a corn fairy event in wherever Boise, Idaho. And there, it's the same week as the PGA tour event in, you know, whatever the three M or the John Deere. If you can get into the PGA tour event and you win or do well, those points should transfer onto the corn fairy 
and you should get points for that because why wouldn't you? Why, why would it's like being in base? Let's say baseball, you get called up for a week or two in triple a, that's your chance to play in the major leagues and see what you can do. Why would you get penalized for that? It makes no sense. The way the whole system is set up, it's stupid. And it's to protect the really old, like, there are so if you ever look, there's so many freaking exemptions for former winners, guys that have been injured. There's so much bullshit. Like, just get the best players out there and end it. Holy cow. Yeah, they've always been reactive instead of proactive. I feel like they're always just in in that until live, they just were gonna just do their old thing and never kind of change. And so that's that's been the positive, but now they're just kind of reacting to everything else. So I don't know. I'll just uh I'll just keep watching my my golf and uh Hope for the best, to be honest with you. I still like it. I still like the product. Um, even if it's not a great feel, I'll still watch it. Oh, this week will be good. Well, you want to wrap up, boys? Yep. Tim, anything else? Any other thoughts? Nope. Just uh, a reminder, because we forget to do this. Well, one big update. New headset delivered to my condo. So come next week. Whoa. Dead clear audio. It's going to be fantastic. Um and then just a reminder, because we always forget to do this, like, subscribe, and share. For sure. We got a 100%. newsletter as well. We have a newsletter as well, so check that out. And then uh, we're also going to have an interview later this week with Liftbridge Dan and, and Doogie McShanks Doug, two good uh, two guys that know their booze um, on the golf course. And we had a chance to sit down with them at the Minnesota Golf Show. So we will put that interview out. And that will be attached as well to our 18-hole golf course that we designed for the Minnesota Golf, you know, public golf courses. So, you know, we're trying to get out there a couple of different uh, options for you, and hopefully you've enjoyed them. Uh, like Mike said, get a little teaser, possible guy to play at the players. Um, we'll be chatting with next week, so to kind of see his uh, his whole experience from, from Players Week. So that's all I got. Anything else, boys, before we sign off? Nope. Adios. Maybe today's the day I break 80 Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading No OB and no bogeys I gotta keep it on the 80, it's the gold G. Well you hit it on one, straight up the gut baby Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy So punch out the rough and tune to break 80 Break 80